0: You're listening to Pros Like Us, brought to you by NFL Draft Blitz. And now, without any further ado, here's Alex and Lou. That's right, gang. We are back and better than last week, we hope. We've reached the last week of the NFL Summer League. That's right, gang. Preseason game number three. Everybody will be done by Saturday. We've got cuts coming up next Tuesday. A lot of shuffling around. We've got a great show coming up for you. We've got a couple interviews today, actually. We've got Patriots talk. We'll talk about, uh, some quarterback battles. But first, from East Carolina, the left-handed quarterback, Holton Ayler's number 12. Hey, Holden, how are you doing today? Good, how are you? Doing well. Welcome to the show. Right off the bat, you know, one of the big stories previous to this season in college football is the NIL, right? Uh, name, image, yes, and sir. likeness. And you were one of the first ones to kind of get out there, started your own company. What was the inspiration behind Built When Broken?
1: Yeah, for me, um, you know, a lot of people who know my story, um, there's a million different things that it that it kind of came from, but it all just kind of came together all at once at the same time. So my senior year of high school, actually, um, someone very close to me passed away very suddenly and stuff like that, and I just kind of came up with something then. You know, I graduated high school early, so I was about a month away from moving to ECU and and kind of pursuing my dream of that, and I was just going through a rough time because he was one of my really good friends, and you know what can help me during this dark time, and I came up with the the slogan Built When Broken and that's kind of all it was at first. It was just a slogan, and and you know I got I got wristband made for a couple friends and stuff like that. And then, kind of you know when this NIL thing started coming up, it turned in you know we should we should make T-shirts of it and make hoodies of it. And then it's kind of shot off since then. And, and I, you know now I got people working for me that are, you know doing a great job, so I can focus on football. And it's kind of turned in from you know a hobby. and something that I use for motivation to an actual business, an actual company. So it's been fun to do that. It's been a blessing. I mean, it's, it's a great blessing to try to spread. Because, I mean, it's a faith-based company and kind of just shows that, I mean, whenever you're at your low that's when God is building you into who you're becoming. And, and that's kind of, you know, the, the story behind it and what we kind of roll with. All
0: right. What does the phrase mean to you? I mean, you, you've said it a couple of times, and I, I guess we can assume, but you know, in your own words, what does that mean to you?
1: Yeah, built and broken to me, you know, it means, tons of different things um you know the first one i would just say your face base whenever you're at your lowest mentally that's when god is closest to you and that's when god is building you into the person that you're meant to be and the person that he created you to be and there's other aspects of it whether it's physically i mean when you're working out you got to break down muscles to build up muscles and and kind of you know the team has kind of used it as you know during camp when it's 107 outside and we don't like go anymore that's when we're building the team into who we're becoming so It has tons of different meanings. I think that's what's kind of cool about it is it can mean whatever you want it to mean. And whatever situation you want it to mean, that's what it it can do. Um, And that's kind of why I think it's took it off the way it has is because it can mean something totally different to the guy right next to you wearing it and and mean something totally different to you. And you both agree that it means something. It just, you know, each person has its story. And and that's kind of what the brand represents.
2: Holton, when did you start playing quarterback? How did that come about? Were you – Always the guy under center?
1: Yeah, so um, I started playing football my seventh grade year. Um, And, yeah, I mean, I've played quarterback ever since.
2: Kind of ran with it. and I I mean,
1: I love the position. It's the greatest position in all sports, in my opinion. And you got all the pressure on you. But, I mean, shoot, that's the way I want it. You know, I want the pressure on me. I want everyone expecting everything from me and, and to carry the team and stuff like
2: that. You were a little bit of a late bloomer, I mean, seventh grade. Did you play any other sports, like baseball, soccer, before you got into football?
1: Yeah, baseball was always kind of my thing growing up. Always was really, really good at baseball, and everyone kind of thought I was going to be the the next big baseball thing here. Baseball's big in Greenville. So, I mean, growing up, it was always baseball, 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 and then I played football, and I was like, dang, I got like this. So I, I ended up giving up baseball when I I had some Division One offers, and I knew that football was my passion, and I just ran with
0: it. How did baseball help you with your throwing motion, or what? I mean, what do you feel that baseball really helped you the most with?
1: I think um, not necessarily throwing motion, but different arm angles. You see now with Mahomes and stuff about how he can throw in different arm angles, and Josh Allen and those guys, and um, that's something that I can do too. Just from playing baseball, is, is I mean, I can throw it all different. All different arm slots, and that's something that has helped me in the offense that we play in because we run an RPO, and there's someone kind of in your face, and you're throwing it a lot of the times. And so, I mean, it's helped me a lot um, in, in that aspect, and I think that's kind of the biggest one that I took from it.
0: So, take us back. You said seventh grade, you started uh, you know, playing quarterback. Can you recount
1: your earliest touchdown pass?
0: You know that you can remember. You know how old were you? Who caught it? Who was there watching?
1: Honestly, man, I honestly can't. I mean, my best friend, probably Josh, who still lives with me and his vice president of Biltwood Woodbroken. it was probably to him. He was the tight end, and I was the quarterback growing up. We were best friends and still are to this day. And, um, I mean, I'm sure my family was there and all that. But those memories are stuff that other people remember and stuff like that. But for me, you know, I was probably so caught up in the moment that I didn't even really think about it.
0: Being from Greenville, I mean, ECU's right there. But, you know, obviously you were re- recruited by other schools. You know, what what made you want to stay close to home?
1: I just say the people, um, the people at Greenville. I mean, when you come here, you that's the first thing that you notice is everyone's just so accepting. One of the greatest communities I've ever been a part of, they make ECU, you know, the lifeline of this city, and that's the way that I want to do I wanted to go somewhere where football meant the world to a place, and that's what it means here, and that's just probably the biggest thing that I decided to come here just for the people.
2: Were you an East Carolina fan growing up?
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, I grew up going to all the games. We have season tickets and all that. It was hard, but at the end, it wasn't too hard knowing you know where home was.
2: So, who was your favorite pirate player of all time?
1: Chris Johnson's probably one of them. Zay Jones, Shane Carden. There's so many different ones, you know, growing up that you have um, that I you know that kind of watch and stuff like that. But I uh, probably Chris
2: Johnson. So the running back who played for the Titans. Yep. All right. How about Shane Carden? What was it about his game that you um, you liked so much?
1: Shoot, they just lit it up. I mean, he was the quarterback, and they just threw it all over the yard when he was here. I and mean, Lincoln Riley was the offensive coordinator. And, I mean, they were hanging up 70 versus North Carolina. And, and, I mean, they were putting up tons of crazy numbers. And it was probably the funnest time to watch, you know, ECU football in a really long time here just because of the offense that they ran.
2: You got thrown into the fire as a true freshman. I mean, you started five games for them. Do you remember your first collegiate start, and do you remember the build-up to the game? Just talk about that experience.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, you know, my my first start was against UCF when they were on their win streak. I think they had 28 in a row at the time, and they were number, like, sixth in the country. It was a Thursday night game. So, yeah, I remember it, you know, quite well. And, and we actually, we played good that game. I mean, there was a ton of, of build-up just from the city, just from me being from here and being the guy, and and stuff like that. I mean, honestly, every game's like that now. You know, just being from Greenville and, and kind of being the hometown kid and the kid that's grown up here and people have seen, and now the starting quarterback has been special um, to be a part of and stuff like that. But it's just a super blessing for me and my family, really my friends, to be a part of this.
2: Who was the quarterback opposite of you? Was it Mackenzie Milton?
1: He actually sat out that game, and it was um, Daryl Mack.
0: So, Holden, your name's scattered throughout the ECU all-time lists, all, all different top tens. You're all over it. What are you most proud of to this point in your career?
1: I would just have to say just off the field. Um, you know, the type of teammate that I've been. Um, and I, I feel like if you go in that locker room and ask any of those guys, you know, what type of person I am, that they would say, you know, I'm a good person, I'm a good teammate, and I would always be there for each other. Um, you know, I've always tried to be available to my teammates. I've always tried to be available for – other aspects other than football, and, you know, I've tried to, to help others pursue Jesus, and, you know, I'm a big Christian, and that's kind of, you know, my main focus in life is getting people towards that, and I feel like I've done that here um, at ECU, but to tell you the truth, man, you know, getting to a bowl game this year would be the, the highlight of my career um, by far. You know, something that I think about and have thought about, you know, since the day I committed was bringing this place back to where, where it used to be and where I grew up watching it be. As of right now, just being a good teammate, Um, you know, going in that locker room and being the guy every single day is probably what I'm most proud of.
0: You mentioned Shane Carden. There have been some other quarterbacks drafted into the NFL from ECU and have done fairly well. I mean, going way back to Jeff Blake. Oh yeah, uh, Dave Girard down in Jacksonville. Uh, Gardner Minshew was at East Carolina before he went out yep. to Washington State, and uh, coincidentally, he got traded today. By the way, yeah. <laughs> to Philadelphia. So these guys have come before you at Eastern Carolina. What would it mean to you to have your name called on draft night?
1: It mean everything. Um, it mean that all the hard work paid off. It mean that, you know, all those long nights, those hard nights when. You, you thought about so many different things. They paid off. You know, I told you that I, I think about getting to a bowl game every day. Well, also think about getting drafted every day. I mean, that's, those are my two goals right now is just to get to a bowl game and get drafted, and anything else after that is, is a plus because, I mean, honestly, you know, I, I work day in and day out to achieve those goals, and I, I push my teammates to achieve their goals as well, and that's just something that I really think about.
2: Colton, you arguably play the most difficult position in team sports. Which one of your characteristics off the field give you the confidence to succeed at the next level?
1: I would just say mental toughness. I think in, in sports, mental toughness is probably a lot of effects of it. Um, you see these great teams and you see the teams that struggle with most of the time. It's going to be, have something to do with mental toughness and be able to be able to handle the fire and, and, you know, adapt and overcome it. Um, and that's something that my career has had a ton of. I mean, we haven't, done as good as I wish we, we could have done here um, in, in my first three years here. But at the same time, we've had some really good games here, and we've had some really good performances here. And just having mental toughness enough to get through the hard times to get through the bright times is, is definitely one that I'm probably most proud of that I have and, and one that I think, you know, helps me succeed
2: the way I have. What are your strengths as a player? What do you bring to the table?
1: I think, you know, that's probably the main one is I'm, I'm very mentally tough. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a great leader. I'm a leader that that will pull people along in the right direction, pull these these guys along that, you know, maybe not want to get along themselves and, and help those guys get there. And, and that's just probably something that I'm really focused on is just bringing my teammates
2: along. Yeah, you know, you're not a small guy. You're about 6'3", 230, 235. Are opposing defenses surprised by your running ability? I mean, you're sneaky quick out there. You're pretty athletic. Talk about being a threat on the ground.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I take pride in in being able to run the football because that's something that can, you know,
2: help you get to the next level.
1: Um, And I I take a lot of pride in that and being athletic in my training that I do during the offseason to get to that point. And, shoot, I hope it surprises them because, I mean, that helped me out a lot. So I feel good about about the way that I can run the ball.
0: Holton, you hear things like he needs to be more consistent
1: pushing the ball
0: downfield or needs to improve decision-making. What do you take from that?
1: I don't really pay attention to the media as much as, you know, most people do. But, I mean, I I do have aspects of my game that I would like to improve on that I'm very focused on improving. I'm very motivated to do certain things in my game. And and some things, I mean, some of these media members say all this stuff and and aren't behind the scenes and stuff like that. But I'm the most motivated, you know, guy you'll meet. I want to get there and I want to win just as bad as anyone. So whatever it takes, I'll do.
0: What have you worked on this off season primarily for yourself?
1: Yeah, for me it's just, you know, kinda like you said, just any time you can work on consistency and accuracy and decision making, you you get better and that's something that I'm proud doing is getting better. That's something I'm very vocal about is you know, I can be better and if you can be better at something, then why not go do it? And that's just kind of my mindset.
2: You know, ECU's offense has always been able to score points. I mean you mentioned when Shane Carden was there, you know, Lincoln Riley was the offensive coordinator they, they piled up points like crazy you guys still do what makes this offense so successful
1: i think um you know with ecu we've always had the skill guys to do it i mean we've always had the certain kids that are on the eastern part of the state near the coast that just want to come and, and show speed and show you know we, we know we throw the ball around and now we're getting to run in the ball too but I think just the swagger of the offense that ECU's had in the history just attracts, you know, playmakers here. And I think anytime you can have guys that anytime they touch the ball they can score. I mean it's hard to to not go put up points. I think that's probably the main thing.
0: You talked about not being happy with the success or lack of success from the team winning games while you've been there. You want to go to a bowl game. For this year to be a successful year, does it need to be a bowl game, or do you have some other view of what success looks like for the Pirates?
1: You know, for me, you know, success is a very wide um, term just because there's so many different things that success can be and, and stuff like that, but, you know, record-wise, I mean, that is, you know, we talk about getting to a bowl game every single day, and that is our goal. and Um, Not to say we won't be successful if we don't get there, but, you know, the plan is to get there, and that's all we talk about is getting there. And, and, you know, I think we just got to, you said, you know, what needs to be done. I just say we just got to stay on track. Um, You know, we're returning 21 out of 22 starters. The guys that have lost all these games as freshmen and were youngest sophomores and juniors, you know, we're now seniors or redshirt seniors, and it's the same guys that have been through a lot that are ready to turn this thing around, that are skilled enough to turn it around. And we just got to go out there and be ourselves now. We we finally have the team to do it and we just need to go out there and do it.
2: Holton, you're a communications major, you've been on the dean's list numerous times. How important is education to you and what do you want to do with your degree after your football career is over?
1: Education's huge for me. I mean anytime you get a chance to improve your life after football then it's definitely something that is a big deal and um after football i'm not really sure you know i like i'm really interested in sales and stuff like that but um with built when broken going the way it is you know i might just pursue that full time and see where it takes me but um you know i just like to take it you know one thing at a time and when when that time comes when i got to hang up the cleats and i'll figure out what i got to do but i don't have any sort of life plan right now to be honest with you You i'm just taking it one day at a time
2: Who's the toughest defense that you guys face in the American athletic? I mean, is it Cincinnati or is it somebody else?
1: I mean I think yeah, you know, Cincinnati's as skilled and as talented and well coached as anyone we play and and really as anyone in the country. Um uh, I'm I'm excited for that game this year. I really am to be honest with you.
2: How about the App State game? Obviously it's the one that's coming up, the opening game on September second. They've accomplished a lot of big things in the Sun Belt over, you know, the past couple of years. Give us a little scouting report on App State.
1: Shoot, I ain't going to go too far, but uh, yeah, I mean, they're good, like I said. I mean, they, like you kind of said, you know, they got good tradition. They got really good tradition there, and they've they've been winning a lot lately, and they got, you know, I mean, that senior class that we'll be playing next Thursday night is probably the most winning one in App State history. I mean, they've won a lot of games there, and they know how to win, and we respect them a ton. Um, we think we match up with them well. And, that yeah, we got a good game plan in place to go up there and beat them. But, you know, we're going to have to play our best brand of football because, I mean, they always do and they always have.
2: Are you watching film like crazy leading up to that game? Yes,
1: I am. You know, like I said, right after this, I'll probably, you know, spend about till 12 o'clock at night watching film. So, yeah, I'm, I'm watching it like crazy. But that's just kind of, you know, I'm just a film junkie. I love to go up there and just spend time alone and watch it, man. You know, that's what I enjoy to do.
2: And, I mean, you're committed.
1: I am. Yep, I am. That's that's what you got to be as a quarterback, I guess. You know, you got to be the guy that knows everything about everything, kind of. That's what I do.
2: Please tell our listeners where they can find you on social media and uh, where they can purchase, you know, some of these T-shirts and sweatshirts, built when broken apparel.
1: Yeah, on social media, my Instagram is just Holton underscore Aylers 12. Um, you can probably just search my name, honestly. And, and it'll come up through the search bar. And then BuiltWhenBroken.com is um, where you can find the apparel and see kind of the story and the background of everything and and different stuff that we offer um, and, and different people we've impacted. And with that all the BuiltWhenBroken stuff is also in the link in my bio. And you can look up BuiltWhenBroken.com on Instagram as well. I and mean, we have our own separate Instagram too and Facebook. So um, I definitely appreciate you guys, you know, helping me out and, and speaking about that because that does, does mean a lot to me.
2: Yeah, thank you for being with us. We really appreciate you uh, for spending some time with us on Saturday evening. Good luck to you against App State on September 2nd.
1: For sure. I appreciate it, and uh, thank you, guys. All
0: right, so let's get into these quarterback battles. First, before we get into a battle, I just want to say, I think it was last Saturday, Mr. Biscuit comes back to Chicago, and he hung 34 34 in the first half you think maybe he had a little chip on his shoulder you think he was ready for that game whether you know summer league it doesn't count whatever I just had to mention that
2: Mitch Trubisky played out of this world I've never seen that before I mean it was certainly a revenge game and Mitchell Trubisky now is the backup quarterback of the Buffalo Bills that just tore up that that Bears defense That's supposed to be good, even if it's preseason still. That defense is supposed to be good, but yeah, absolutely. I'm sure he had that game circled, even though it's preseason. He knows he's not going to be the starting quarterback unless Josh Allen goes down. So this was Trubisky's Super Bowl. This was his coming out party. He wanted to stick it to the Bears organization, to Ryan Pace, and to Matt Nagy.
0: Yeah, and the, the Mr. Biscuit thing, it was kind of an interesting story. I don't know if I've told it before, and not that it's really my story to tell, but I did lift it. Uh, evidently, at North Carolina, one of his former teammates was on an interview, and I guess coaches were saying the names of the incoming freshmen, and just the way they said it, it sounded like Mr. Biscuit. And the dude looks at his teammate and says, Mr. Biscuit, and it's stuck. So while he was at North Carolina, he was known, at least some of his defensive teammates, as Mr. Biscuit. So anyway, he hung 34 on his former team, and I thought it was kind of funny. Better supporting cast? Probably. I don't know. And were The Bears have their first-team defense out there? Not at all. But it, I thought it was just a, something cute to talk about. How about Jameis Winston? Huh? biting those fingers off, eating those victories, he looked like a completely different player. I mean, you know, small sample size obviously in this preseason but just what I saw against Jacksonville, and again it was Jacksonville, but anyway, he just looked like a completely different player. Don't you agree?
2: He definitely did. I mean, Sean Payton is certainly like the quarterback whisperer. I mean, he's absolutely amazing. I mean, he developed Tony Romo, he... Had a lot of success with Drew Brees and kind of resurrected his career even more after that injury. And now what he's doing for Jameis Winston is just absolutely amazing. It's spectacular. I didn't think he was going to be able to do this, but Winston looked more decisive of where to go with the ball. He didn't put the ball in harm's way. He made good decisions. I know you like to say it's the summer preseason league and it doesn't mean anything it's vanilla defense but the saints have to be excited and they have to be positive as they move forward now because winston is clearly they're a quarterback in week one it can't be Taysom hill hill is just going to be there for those special situations in the red zone give you that dual threat ability but winston is clearly the starter for this team and i also wanted to mention marquise calloway I mean, where did this kid come from? I mean, he's an undrafted free agent from Tennessee. He's a second-year pro. And the Saints also keep finding these wide receivers that nobody else wants. And they just continue to develop them. And he's the latest one to to come out of nowhere. And and if Winston continues to just look good, Callaway is going to be his favorite target. So you should definitely stash away Callaway somewhere in the later rounds in your fantasy draft.
0: But it seems like, I mean, the guys, like you said, like come out of nowhere, have any of them really, like, produced? I mean, they, you know, remember Marcus Colston was one, kind of, like you said, came out of nowhere, but was one of those producers. You know, I'm not going to throw a wet blanket on this kid because he looks phenomenal, Right. Tennessee kid, Josh Palmer, lighting it up in, uh, out in Los Angeles, but he was a drafted guy. But for Saints fans that remember guys like Devery Henderson and Bobby Meacham, now these guys were drafted players, Floyd Turner, that, again, they flash, but you know there's not a whole lot of consistency. So I guess that's the big question is once uh, Michael Thomas comes back, is this kid going to be able to – kind of continue his growth is he going to be that number two receiver that they've kind of been clamoring for over the last few years Emmanuel Sanders kind of filled that role for a short time but he's gone I'm here for it I hope he does great I'm just a little bit leery because there have been other guys you know in the history that kind of flash and then you don't hear from him again
2: hello I'm I'm sure Michael Thomas is hoping that the Saints have finally found their number two wide receiver that they haven't had for like the longest time because they can't keep going like this. I mean, Adam Troutman is battling injuries right now during training camp. They don't have anyone. Somebody's got to step up. It looks like Marquise Calloway is that guy. And. He's going to be Winston's favorite target. And by the way, I can confidently say, even though it hasn't been announced officially, Jameis Winston is going to be the starting quarterback in week one for the New Orleans Saints.
0: And I think you're right. I think Sean Payton, I think, has a soft spot for Taysom Hill just because, again, he's kind of developed him to this point. To be at least in the position to be an NFL starting quarterback, although he's not going to be in this case, to keep it kind of a level playing field, to make it look like you know he actually had a chance at this, I don't know that he ever really did. Again, people are going to lean on the fact that, geez, you know, he brings so much to the table when he's not playing quarterback. How could they do that? This is going to be better. But, you know, deep down, Taysom Hill's mind, he wanted to be the quarterback, obviously. Does he stick around New Orleans the next time they want him to, to sign? me? he's signed for a while, and he got pretty decent money. But, uh, yeah, I think you're right, Jameis is going to be the starter there. The second, third, or how many iterations it's been of the Red Rifle, is coming to Chi-Town. He's in Chicago. Matt Nagy's been saying since day one that he is our QB1, and lo and behold, he is going to start. Nagy stuck to his guns. Are they afraid that Fields wasn't going to be able to uh, play with this uh, substandard uh, offensive line? He looks the part. Looked like during summer league he's been playing great. Andy eh, yeah, is Andy. So do you get the sense, Alex, that it's more like Okay, if Fields goes out there and falls on his face, then how do we, if we pull him and then we put Andy in, and, you know, what's that going to do to Fields? I mean, I think they might be overthinking this a bit. He's the better athlete. He's going to give you the better chance to win. Why not play him?
2: You mentioned it, Lou. The Bears during the preseason, their offensive line looks below average, they look horrible. So what do you think is gonna, is, it's going to look like against a team like the Los Angeles Rams opening week on Sunday? You know, What is that going to look like? Do you think that Andy Dalton isn't going to take Sacks? He is a stationary target in there. He's a game manager. You need to put the more exciting athlete who has 4-4 speed, who can outrun defensive ends and linebackers, who can make some things happen with his feet. The way it's going right now, I wouldn't be surprised if Maggie goes 0-4 in September and he's not coaching Fields anymore. He gets fired, Fields gets put in in October by an interim head coach. I'm just throwing it out there. You play scared, you're gutless, you're a wuss, basically. I'm calling out Matt Nagy. that's what he is. You're trying to fight for your job. You need to put in the more exciting quarterback who will be able to make some things happen when the play breaks down. But you're going with the safe choice, the not sexy choice. I would fire Matt Nagy right now, Lou.
0: I guess. guess. (laughs) Lucky for him, you're not in that front office. Uh, And since his direct report is also on the hot seat, maybe they're kind of in this together, and that's not going to happen anytime soon. I don't know. Maybe the Trubisky situation is playing here where, you know, obviously he started, and then they had to pull him, and then they put him back in, and it just became this yo-yo, and he never really got his feet under him. I don't know what's at play here. You know, we're not in that building. We seem to be of a mind that, okay, let's play the better player, Maybe there's something behind the scenes happening that we don't know about, but all indications point to Fields being the guy, so you know why not sooner than later? I like Matt Nagy. I think he's going to be a good coach in this league. He may have just kind of mismanaged some things here in Chicago early on, and uh, it's kind of went in the wrong direction. Now, much to my partner's glee, I can Feel his energy coming through the airwaves. I think the listeners will, too, and I think you know where I'm going here. The Denver Broncos have made their decision on the starting quarterback, and yes, Teddy Bridgewater is going to be that guy. Alex, how you feeling?
2: Yeah, it was like Christmas morning for me as a kid. And you wake up and you try to look for presents under the tree, and and it was just it was one of those days. Uh, look, hallelujah! I mean, Teddy Bridgewater looked like a very good quarterback with the Minnesota Vikings before that injury. Let's not forget that. And then once he came back, he went five and zero with the Saints. We all know how it went last year. He didn't play well, especially in the fourth quarter. He just didn't go well with Joe Brady's offense. He didn't deliver what he was supposed to. It's not like the Carolina Panthers were supposed to make the playoffs, but they were just not very good, and, and Teddy's certainly disappointed. I'm glad that he's getting another shot here in Denver with the real offense, with the good offensive line, with more weapons of wide receiver, with the strong running game, and a very good defense. And I think this is what the Denver Broncos are thinking. They're saying, look, we need a quarterback to be a caretaker, a guy who makes good decisions, a guy who's accurate. We don't need somebody to play hero ball. And that's what Drew Locke is. He's not accurate. You know, he's inconsistent. He has looked pretty good in preseason action, but it's preseason. And I just think they don't trust him. Vic Fangio's job is also on the hot seat. We know this. They also hired a GM from the Minnesota Vikings who was part of that front office that drafted Teddy Bridgewater. I'm sure that factored in there as well because, I mean, they traded for him. They passed on Justin Fields. So a lot of things went into this. But all I'm saying is Teddy Bridgewater played really well during those two preseason games. You know, during training camp, it's been a good one for him. So I I think it's the right decision for the Denver Broncos. And I actually believe, and it's not because Teddy becomes the starting quarterback here, I actually believe that the Denver Broncos are on the cusp of making the playoffs this year. I really do. Like, they will be one of my playoff teams once we do the NFL preview.
0: That is certainly a limb that uh, you're out on. And I don't know that there's too many people out there with you at this point, Alex. But, uh, yeah, being an AFC West... Kind of haunt, and you know the Chiefs being in that division, obviously. You know defensively, they've got the weapons. You mentioned everything. I mean, he's got the team around him. Vic Fangio is is a defensive coach, old school. You said it. They don't want somebody playing hero ball, but they just want somebody that's not going to lose the game for you. And I guess that's kind of the same thing, said a different way. But again, at the end of the day. Give me a quarterback that doesn't lose us the game, that moves the chains. We don't need to make, you know, go after huge plays down after down after down. The defense is going to keep us in the game. Quarterback, running game. Again, Jerry Judy. you got Hamler. Uh, Sutton's coming back. You've got some weapons. Noah Fant, the tight end. The running backs that, they, that they've that brought in. Yeah, looks like it's, it, it could be a, a really good team. We'll see how Teddy does. Uh, once the season starts
2: this is the right decision obviously the Broncos know what's going on behind the scenes they've seen Drew Locke during his first two years in the NFL you know the coaching staff and the front office and the team making this decision for the good of this organization because and they're also cutting ties with John Elway a bit because I mean Drew Locke was his guy and even though he's still in the organization, this is it. They're putting their own blueprint there. They went. They traded for Teddy. He won the job. And he looked terrific during week two of that preseason game. He looked more decisive. He was accurate. You know, He led them on those two touchdown drives. He just has to be good in those situations. And I'm talking about the, the two-minute drills in the fourth quarter, in the red zone. He's going to have to be a lot better than he was with the Carolina Panthers. I hope we'll see the same quarterback that we saw with the Vikings. I hope we'll see the same quarterback that we saw with the Saints during those five games, that that stretch before he went to Carolina. This is a chance for Teddy to resurrect his career.
0: So real quick, what happens to Drew Locke? I got to believe he's done in Denver, right?
2: Well, I mean, if Teddy Bridgewater like falters a couple of games, I wouldn't necessarily think that the Denver will stick with him. I think they'll try to get Drew Locke in there. But I do think Teddy Bridgewater is going to play well, and um, I think this is it. Locke isn't going to be around. I, You need a backup quarterback, so I don't think that they'll pull the plug on him at the trade deadline. But I do think he's gonna be gone like before the draft because I mean teams are always looking for those young quarterbacks. He's still a young quarterback. And he's gonna get another shot to to battle for the starting job elsewhere. It's just not gonna be in Denver.
0: I feel some Patriots talk coming on. Joining us now from SB Nation and the Pats pulpit, Ryan Spagnoli. Ryan, what's going on, man? How you doing? Not too much, guys. Thanks for having me. Great. Well, right off the bat. I mean, because this just happened the other day. Uh, Sony Michelle got treated. Uh Obviously, the Pats, very deep running back crew. Uh, how did that come about, you think?
3: Yeah, I just think, you know, the emergence of J.J. Taylor and Ramondre Stevenson uh, ultimately kind of forced Michelle out the door. Um, I think a variety of reasons. Obviously, health being priority up there. Uh, he's had a tough time staying on the field and, and kind of maintaining that RB1 role. Damian Harris obviously had a monster year last year, looks to have improved even more. And then, like I said, I think uh, when you have J.J. Taylor and Ramondre Stevenson really taking the preseason by storm, they've both had multiple good days of camp and, and preseason games. You know, both of them bring a little bit more to the table than Michelle, and they're ultimately the younger and cheaper option. So I think both sides worked out. The Rams needed kind of an experienced runner in that backfield with how thin they are. And the Patriots obviously get a little bit of capital back uh, for a position that, that they're still loaded with depth.
2: Sony Michelle obviously was a former first-round pick selected at the end of the first round. Do you think they got enough for him? I mean, they got two day three picks.
3: Yeah, I think the return was pretty good considering the Patriots didn't pick up his fifth-year option in the spring. Um, so he likely would have been out the door uh, if he even made the roster this year and had a, uh, a spot. Uh, I believe that pick can ultimately become a fourth rounder. I think, yeah, like I said, considering the circumstances with Michelle, uh, they would have took anything. Like I said, I think they would have been forced to cut him if they couldn't find a partner. Uh, so to even get anything back, I think, is a, is a win for the Patriots.
0: I guess the the bigger story, I mean, obviously, I mean, there's all sorts of reports out there what happened. But, you know, Cam Newton and his situation, from your perspective, Ryan, What what exactly happened? And do you feel this is going to impact his chances to be the week one starter?
3: Yeah, so obviously Cam is, is unvaccinated, which we know now. He had, you know, left for a team-approved situation. From what I've heard, it was a, it was a, one of his kids' doctor's appointments, and they also they live down in Carolina. So with the team being in Philly, uh, it was reported that he kind of headed that way that weekend. Um, and since he is uh, unvaccinated, you have to go through, you know, NFL testing protocols, and Cam did not. He had got tests that weren't NFL approved. Therefore, even though he was negative, he was subjected to a five-day quarantine. Um, so he actually just returned to the practice field today. Uh, and obviously, it opened up the door for Mac Jones to kind of come in and, and show his worth, in which he did yesterday, 33 of 39. A really efficient and surgical day from the rookie. And does it hurt his chances? I don't think it helps him. Um, you know, like I said, uh, I think Mac's day yesterday maybe you know, caught the coaching staff side the way he was able to command and run the offense efficiently. Does it hurt his chances? I don't know about that. I'm still in the camp where I believe Cam will be the day one starter. Do I like that decision? No. I think Mac Jones obviously, I think, runs the offense the way, you know, people are accustomed to seeing it, you know, with his quick reads, ball outs quick, in rhythm and timing. Uh, and that's something that I think Cam struggles with, even with a year under his belt. So, um, it probably didn't help his chances, to be honest, but I don't think it necessarily hurt him. He's out there today taking all the QB1 reps.
0: So that was in a joint practice against the Giants. That says a lot more than just maybe, you know, he had a good day of practice, you know, intra-squad type thing. I mean, other than, I guess, what you've seen on the field, what's impressed you the most about Mac?
3: Uh I just think he's, like everyone said with him coming out, I think he's the most pro-ready quarterback, I, I think. With him, he's very, very intelligent and very smart, goes through his reads and progressions and gets the ball out quick and in rhythm. I think what's impressed me the most is obviously this offense is a little complex. There's a lot that has to be done and, and, and pre-snap for the quarterback to be successful, and he's mastered that and taken everything in like a sponge and really applied it to on the field. Um, and the other thing, too, is just um, you know how comfortable he seems. Uh, but he's got a kind of a swagger to him. You know, he's, he's super confident, starting to get a little bit more vocal and animated out there. So I just think, you know, him coming in and improving and, and being able to, you know, fix his mistakes, drive to drive, day to day, has has really impressed me. I think the Patriots got a really good player and, and a future franchise quarterback.
2: So you've been impressed with Mac Jones, and that's the quarterback that you would go with. Why are you getting an inkling that Cam Newton is still going to be the week one starter?
3: I just think they're invested in him. Belichick has said multiple times that Cam's their quarterback. You know, when you have a first-round pick like that, and, and, and obviously kind of a hole at the quarterback position since Tom Brady left, uh, I think they view Mac as a five-year investment, right? I think I'm a firm believer in, in quarterbacks aren't necessarily a boss. I just think the fit and where they are and, and that they're rushed into you know situations when they're not ready. I think Mac Jones is certainly ready to go and could you know get under center and be you know uh, successful. But I think they're taking a conservative approach, five year investment. I think they're not going to play him until they you know fully feel comfortable and feel that he's ready to go. Um, so I guess I can't argue with that side of things. Like I said, I don't think this team's going to compete for the Super Bowl this year with or without Mac Jones. So I think, you know, kind of building off, making sure he learns and develops properly. That way, when you're ready to roll him out there, he can be successful and help you, your team win football games.
2: So can we see Mac Jones like in October or November if the team isn't winning?
3: Yes, I think what Mac's done this spring and sp- summer, obviously, has picked things up, I think, a lot quicker than, you know, most of us, especially the coaching staff, had expected. Uh, I think Mac will have a role on this team. It's just a matter of when.
0: So, I mean, obviously, that's huge nationally. I mean, that's the huge story, quarterback battle, if you would. What other storylines, Ryan, are you following? Maybe give us a peek behind the curtain here.
3: Yeah, I mean, obviously, would have been the running backs, what they do with that extra guy. But obviously, with Michelle traded yesterday, I think that that group is pretty much wrapped up with cut down that, I believe, five days away. Uh, I'm serious at wide receiver, right? I think, you know, they're a team that obviously is heavily invested Financially, the tight end position, those two guys, Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry, are going to be on the field for 80%, 85% of the game. So I'm curious how many receivers they take because they're going to be in 12 and 22 personnel. Most of the game, you're really only going to have two max three wide receivers on the field in those sort of uh, you know personnel sets. So um, I'm curious. Like I said, Aguilar, Myers, and Bourne, and obviously Olszewski, because he's an all-pro punt returner, are are pretty much locks. But what do they do with, you know, Nikhil Harry, who's uh, now on injured reserve uh, after hurting his shoulder, as well as a guy like Christian Wilkerson who can kind of play special teams, contribute a little bit as a receiver. So curious to see what they do with that position and how many they keep.
2: Obviously, the running back is the deepest position on this roster, no doubt about it. I mean, we've seen these guys during training camp, during preseason, uh, tell us about this group and who do you think is going to be the starting running back?
3: Yeah, I think Damian Harris is their running back one. I think he's done a lot uh, over the last year and a half or so to kind of earn that spot. He's a tough runner, um, not really you know too much finesse in this game, but he runs hard. He can run between the tackles, good burst, and then I, I you know, obviously James White sprinkled in and, and obvious passing downs. We know his ability to be able to catch the ball and help move the chains, and then. You know, like I said, J.J. Taylor and Armandre Stevenson, obviously young players. Taylor, undrafted free agent, made the team last year, didn't have too, too much of a role. Uh, but he's contributed on special teams as well as kind of that Deion Lewis for them, that plug-and-play guy when you need a spark or, or kind of a big play out of, the, you know, out of nothing. And then Stevenson looks like, a, you know, I like to call him like a baby LeGarrette Blount. Uh, he runs really hard. He's got a lot of bounce to his game and certainly has, you know, came along here the last, few weeks starting with that monster preseason game versus Washington. I think that ultimately led the, the trade for Michelle was Stevenson, you know, carving out some sort of role for himself, maybe in early down situations.
2: During the offseason, the Patriots surprised everyone because they went on a spending spree unlike any other. We've never seen this before. They were ultra aggressive and willing to spend. What did you think of their moves during free agency?
3: It's hard to complain about them. I think the best move of, of them all, a lot of people like to look at the tight ends, you know, simply because they virtually have gotten nothing at that position the last, you know, even three, four years. Uh, but Matthew Judon, uh, he's been a force, I think, the X factor of that defense in uh, limited action. He's been on every play, making, um, you know, it seems like getting a quarterback hit consistently in the backfield, even dropping back into coverage and making a play. So, like I said, Judon, Hunter Henry, Johnny Smith, Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar, they, they really had a plan here to improve this football team at some key spots where they were, you know, generally pretty thin and, and made a big splash. And I think these these signings will pay off, you know, down the road. I think they got a great mix of a nice influx of talent as well as experienced veteran players that have played some big football games, won Super Bowls. And then I believe their, you know, their last two drafts, they really hit it out of the park with Christian Barmore, Mac Jones, Kyle Bugger, Josh Uche, all guys that, you know, Michael on last year, an all-pro right tackle, six-round pick, you no know, right guard, sorry they they have a good you know kind of mix I think of guys that they went out and acquired good veteran experienced football players and like I said those those two past drafts they have guys that are going to come in and be able to contribute and make a difference on this football team
0: you talked about the money obviously this some of the big names we, we've heard of and, and seen play uh, are there any under the radar type guys that you see ma- making a major impact this year
3: yeah, I think Jawan Williams has really come along here. Cornerback, they drafted in the second round back in 2019, uh, the pick after Nikhil Harry. Um, he's kind of been, you know, labeled as a boss, as a you know that second round defensive back kind of thing that you know simply just follows Belichick every year. But I think he, he just didn't really have an opportunity the last few years. The strength of the football team has always been their secondary with Gilmore, J.C. Jackson, Jonathan Jones, Jason McCourty. So. It was hard for him to find consistent time on the field simply because, like I said, they were just loaded at depth and safety and corner. But now that Gilmore's been out, Jamal Williams has gotten, you know, a lot of looks at starting outside corner across from J.C. Jackson and has done a pretty nice job. He did a good job on Devontae Smith last week. Uh, I think he's got the length, you know, 6'3", 225 he is, the length and physicality to be able to play that press man that Belichick loves to run. So that's a guy that, you know, I think he would have scooped his way on the 53-man roster, but believe that he'll have a bigger role than, than uh, you know, we may have expected a few months ago.
0: You talked about the wide receivers, you know, being kind of a question mark. I noticed in your, on the site, your 53-man roster prediction, you have uh, Nikhil Harry being cut, which I don't think would be a major surprise, but... I mean, he was a first-round pick. Where did this go off the rails him? I mean, was it a talent thing, fit, personality? What's the deal with this kid?
3: I think a little bit of both. I think he's a guy that thrives with the ball in his hands in space and obviously a guy who can play outside the numbers and make plays at the catch point, go up kind of a jump ball specialty. Um, and I don't think they've done a great job kind of fitting him into their system. Right. I think the first year, Uh, He missed the first eight games due to injury came in week nine, week 10, Tom Brady had a foot out the door. You know how hard it is to get on the same page and for him to trust you. Uh, And then last year, you know, COVID, I think, you know, off season programs and workouts are super important for first and second year players. Obviously didn't get that opportunity. They bring Cam Newton in who struggled throwing down the field where, you know, that's really McKeel's specialty. Uh, So I just think he's been behind the eight ball ever since. And, as for him, you know, I don't think it's anything necessary that he's done. Uh, he's not a very good route runner. Like I said, he, he's very limited in terms of what he can do as a receiver. I think, like Michelle, you know, a change of scenery for both sides might be the best option. But he did get hurt last week. He hurt the shoulder. So I'd be interested to see what they do with him kind of going forward.
2: You know, you can second guess. But when you have guys like Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, go after this kid, the selection of Nikhil Harry. that doesn't bode well for Patriots scouting staff.
3: Yeah, and they've actually made a lot of changes since that draft. They had a lot of um, new scouts in there this year, new director for player personnel, Dave Ziegler, professional national scout. So, yeah, like I said, I think they've kind of realized kind of these past drafts have really limited them in terms of, you know, putting a good team consistently on the really since Tom left and even that last year they had him made some internal changes, and like I said, I think the last two drafts, they've really changed the direction and kind of the motive of that football team and in that in that scouting room.
2: You've talked about the wide receivers a bit earlier on this roster, so let's stay with this topic. Who do you think is going to be the go-to guy for Cam Newton or Mac Jones in the passing game?
3: Jacoby Myers, uh, no question. He's their wide receiver one. He's primarily been working out of the slot. Uh, this is a guy who has just consistently gotten better week to week Saw him come down, you know, the stretch last year and really solidify himself as, a, as a, as you know, a top 25, top 20 receiver in this league. Former college quarterback, so knows how to kind of find soft spots in the defense. He's a guy that, you know, he's going to pick up 10 to 15 yards every time he catches the football. Not a big yak guy, but a guy that will go over the middle, be a little shifty with it, and, and ultimately help move the chain. So, yeah, I think Jacoby Myers takes an even, you know, larger step and he did last year, and really trying to solidify himself as a top receiver in this game. I think he's super under the radar. Uh, he led the league in targets last year with 81, so I would expect him to have a high volume of targets, even with Bourne and Aguilar in there. The Patriots rely heavily on that slot position, and I think you know Myers is a good mix of you know quickness, shifty, uh, route running ability to be able to, to produce at that spot.
2: Wow, that's high praise, Ryan. I mean, well, obviously we've seen little bits and pieces of him. So That's the guy that you should get out there in fantasy.
3: Yeah, if you're in a keeper league. I did the same last week. I I got him in like the 12th or 13th round. I think that the guy that uh, came on strong last year, he's making plays day after camp. Uh, I think he's going to be a, a key piece for this offense to really, you know, help put points on the board this
0: year well Cam Newton certainly likes him I mean, you can tell that right off the bat whenever they play that's kind of you know his safety blanket let's flip it to the other side of the ball i mean i still think and i'm sure you know a lot of people do th- the defense is going to be this team's calling card how good can they be is this a top 5 unit in the NFL
3: i think so um, even with you know Stefan Gilmore out i think um You know, you talk about the additions they've gotten. Dante Hightower back from his opt-out. Matthew Judon, Josh Uche. Harold the back into the fold. And then the secondary, right? Jonathan Jones, top slot corner in the game. J.C. Jackson slowly but surely coming a top-five corner. I think this defense will ultimately be the strength of this football team. And they'll really, you know, win games by, you know, dominating on that side of the ball.
0: We don't want to get you in trouble, Ryan, but we got to hear one. Give us a really good uh, Bill Belichick press conference story that you were involved in.
3: Yeah, kind of hard, man. I, this is my first year kind of on the beat and being able uh okay. credentialed and getting a chance to go down there. So I haven't got a chance to really uh, interact with him on like a day-to-day basis or anything. But I will say kind of generally, I, I think the, the best thing about him and I guess the funniest thing is it's just crazy how his, his you know attitude kind of changes from a day to day basis, right? So, Monday we have the you know the opening week press conference. Um, Evan Lazar, who's a you know friend of mine, is also a reporter for the team. His dog's barking in the background, and he says, you know, oh, like you got your buddy there. You should have you know your dog ask the next question, and, and Nike, who's Belichick's dog, can answer it, right? He's all upbeat and happy, and a lot more, I, I guess, enthusiastic and friendlier than in past. Then about 20 minutes later, the Cam Newton news comes out where he's going to miss practice for the week, right? So obviously he knew that was coming, and he was super enthusiastic. Then he meets with us yesterday, and he is military sergeant, super agitated, not not answering questions, which I guess makes him so uh, so valuable and, and so good. He's been around the league for so long that he knows how to kind of maneuver his way around, you know, tough press conferences. But I think all, all in all, just the way he has – um, you know his attitude and kind of um, enthusiasm changes from a day-to-day basis based on kind of what's going on in that room so uh, it's always curious you never know which Belichick you're going to get when you head into a press conference
0: how uncomfortable is it for you guys when he gets like that
3: you know for me it is to be honest I, I haven't asked him a question yet because I am a little intimidated I'm um, kind of the new guy on the block I'd rather kind of interact with the players think they, they do a much better job of kind of helping you through your question and answering it. But for me, even like listening to it and being in the same room when someone asks a challenging question and you're like, oh, it's kind of cringy and you don't really know, like you know what they're trying to ask, but they're beating around the bush. You know, he gives a kind of smug answer. Yeah, even watching it, it's so awkward. But these guys have been doing it for so long and and obviously do such a great job for the outlets that they write and report for. So uh, they're used to it, but certainly kind of being there for the first time and, and experiencing it. It is it is super awkward, for sure.
2: Well, Bill Belichick is the greatest coach of all time. There's no questions about it. <laughs> oh, based no on the The Super Bowls that he's won. But do you think it rubs him the wrong way that Tom Brady left and he won a Super Bowl with the Bucks? He'll never let you know about it, but do you think he has a lot to prove this year? Yeah, I think it was two different situations too, right? Tom went to a team that was really a quarterback
3: away. He knew how loaded they were with talent um, and obviously how – Talented and documented as Tom is, and then Bill had a ton of turnover. Right, a lot of young guys, a lot of key veterans. Patrick Chung, Marcus Cannon, Dante Hightower opt out. Didn't have a really a plan at the quarterback position. COVID. So I, I do think it was two kind of different situations for both of them. Obviously, Tom was Tom was Tom down the stretch, and, and like I said, that team was kind of loaded with talent. I think a lot of good quarterbacks could have stepped in and done what he did, but. Yeah, I'm certainly sure it rubbed it him the wrong way. He's a competitive guy. He wants to win. Um, so I do think this is a big year for him, but they've certainly done the things that they needed to do to improve the team through free agency, through the draft, and obviously with Mac Jones coming in looking good. I think the future of the Patriots looks a lot brighter than it did kind of this time of last year.
0: All right. This is real quick. You know, before you, you go out the door here, fill in the blank. Pats make the playoffs if? Mac Jones. Is a starter. Okay. Then Pats miss the playoffs. If
3: they struggle with injuries, I think, like I said, I think that's a tough spot. They obviously have a ton of depth, but when you, you know, acquire that much talent and you can't help them stay on the field, they've been banged up a little bit uh, throughout camp. Henry, John and Smith, Aguilar, Isaiah, when, you know, kind of those dog days of camp, if those kind of nag them throughout the year, I think, you know, um, struggling with keeping guys and key guys on the field will be the, the reason why. I do think they could potentially make the playoffs. If Cam Newton was a starter, he'd have to improve his game mightily. But like I said, I don't think he's, you know, as good enough to kind of carry a team that maybe be able to limp through to the finish line like Tom was able to do.
0: All, All right. That's right. been Ryan Svagnoli in the Pats Pulpit. Ryan, before you go, let our listeners know how to reach you on socials and uh, whatever else you want to plug.
3: Sure, sure. Thanks for having me, guys. It's been a lot of fun. Love talking ball with, with, you know, everyone. Uh, Ryan underscore Spags on Twitter. i cover the team for Pat's Pulpit of SB Nation. I have a podcast, the Patriot Nation podcast. That comes out once a week on Fridays, kind of covering all things from, you know, that happened that past week, game preview, game recap, uh, and obviously a lot of training camp stuff now. So, yeah, that's pretty much where you can find me. Love interacting. So, uh, like I said, again, appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, If you ever need me again, would love to do it.
0: Yeah, I'd love to have you back.
3: Appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much. Uh, enjoy the
0: weekend. That's going to do it, folks, this week. Thanks for listening. Once again, we have moved. So on your player where you see Megaphone, please go ahead and subscribe. If you subscribed in the past, please resubscribe to help us out a little bit and uh, to help yourself out. You won't miss any, any new episodes. So until next week, he's Alex. I'm Lou. Peace.